Welcome to the Audio Equipment Podcast. My name is Griffin Brashears, an audio engineer obsessed with uncovering the stories behind the tools used to shape the musical landscape of the past, present, and future. Today I'll be joined by Roke Gulich of Allo Audio, a small headphone company specializing in hand-built reference-grade headphones for mixing in stereo and spatial audio. Alongside mixing headphones, Allo also offers the S4R line of headphones tuned for tracking and performance. Located at the edge of the Alps, Allo Audio has been building their reputation online with high-profile audio engineers and anyone who needs a set of headphones they can trust for proper mix translation. Good afternoon, Roke. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, uh, well, well, very welcome. Enjoying this kind of shows. It's uh, it gives uh, it gives uh, kind of some depth um, into you know all the things that we do to get the word out about what we do, who we are, and how we can actually bring value to to the final users. So thank you very much for inviting oh, me. It's truly my pleasure. Yeah, I think that all great albums have great stories, and the equipment was used as a big part of that story. You know, so hearing a little mm. bit about what you do is is a, a true pleasure for me and the audience. So I guess we should start off with just sharing a bit about yourself, you know, your background. How'd you get into music and engineering? You know, what's the story of of Well story <clears throat> Yeah, thank you. Uh well it's uh basically I, I'm the fourth child in, in the family, the youngest one. Um, and my dad was a musician his entire life. He was a drummer for 35 years or so. Oh, wow. um, he, he many times said that we do have a house because of that. So he had a day job and, you know, just playing music uh, on the weekends. Mm-hmm. That is in the 70s and 80s, of course, where when when, when it was actually possible to, to make a decent living yeah. <laughs> uh, this Golden way. Era. <clears throat> Yeah, so I was around stuff, you know, all the time, cables, microphone stands, drums, guitars, pianos, etc. So it was a part of my uh, early on education uh, about life and stuff. So from there on, um, I somehow got into engineering by um, having a great father and mother uh, who allowed me to put my fingers into uh, electricity sockets and stuff like that. So I learned <laughs> a lot of the principles oh really early on. Um, yeah, that'll, yeah, that's a good, that's, uh, good way to learn. <laughs> it's the best way, you know. Oh, yeah. uh, when you know, the mistakes. You, you got to learn, you got to make the mistakes. So out of that, um, basically, that became my, my passion overall, just music in general. I didn't fully realize that I'm actually an engineer in a way until like I was 20 or something. Uh, but the background was there. And because of all these mistakes, when I was like seven, eight, nine, um, I had a unique kind of a perspective on engineering. Um, didn't fully realize it, but once I started creating stuff, um, I saw, that, you know, like famously Steve Jobs said, you can only connect the dots looking backward and never forward. Mm, yeah. Um, so point. that's kind of what, what happened over here. Yeah. Yeah. No, it definitely makes sense. I think that um, retrospect is a powerful tool for seeing like, oh, you know, maybe that did kind of mm. influence <laughs> these later yeah. things, putting it all in perspective. Absolutely. Wonderful. And did you kind of um, discover engineering maybe through proper means where you were kind of in a band or going to studios. I know a lot of people of kind of um, the tape generation found out you could overdub on a cassette, one of those like dual channel cassette yeah. you know, decks and a lot of early experiments kind of coming from there. Mm. Yeah, yeah, uh, of, of course. I mean, that was the kind of like, 
um, the transitional period between analog and digital era. That's where I grew up, basically. So yeah, there was a lot of uh, mixed kind of gear, I guess, from from typical analog um, to then entering the digital world. Totally. Um, but yeah, as I said, I was I was around that kind of lifestyle uh, my whole uh, childhood or even teenage years. Obviously, I started my own band and and so on. Of course, yeah. Uh, which, you by must. the way, we do still we still play together now for twenty five something like that years. Wow, that's amazing! Um, Great longevity. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a hobby. It, <laughs> yeah. Incredible. It, it, it's been a hobby, um, but I loved it, and and we all have families and stuff like that. So it's not like a yeah. a, a serious thing. But it's great to have a beer with friends and and play a little bit. Yeah, the joy um, of music is so, yeah exactly. It's always there, and for you. that also always, and that gives me actually the, the insights required in order to create any products for for audio engineers or musicians, creators, and so on. Uh, so basically, I do speak the language. I understand it. I know the pain points, totally. um, and you know, having that uh, engineering kind of skill, I guess. Um, you know, resolved into all audio being an engineering company, a research company, and primarily, at least for now, we we're focusing on headphones and what flat actually means. Um, totally, yeah, to different people. Uh, so we're exploring that, and somehow um, we managed to to make some waves, uh, sign up quite uh, quite some really really good engineers and creators as well, some artists. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you put it all together, um, this is where we are now. Uh, it's a still a small company. Uh, we're totally. like five people, four to five. Um, but we do make waves and that's that's the whole thing. That's fantastic. I'm so glad to hear that. I mean, very warranted, you know, as as a user of the S4X headphones. I mean, they're they're fantastic for mixed translation. All the acclaim is okay. totally warranted. Um, definitely. <laughs> Definitely a good pat on the back for all of that stuff. I mean, it's it's <clears throat> they're fantastic tools. Um, what, what did you what did you use before? Um, I've used quite a few. So I've used a lot of the Bayer Dynamic offerings. I I, I primarily mix on monitor speakers. Uh, I'm a fan of the older mm-hmm. NHT stuff. Uh, I've used Genelex. I've worked in you know several mm-hmm. studios, kind of as a journeyman. Uh, I'll kind of like you know be requested to go to studios. So whatever is on hand is what I'll use for rough mixes or kind of in-studio mixes i tend to really like mm. my older nht speakers that mm. i don't think are manufactured mm. anymore unfortunately um but as far as headphones you know i've i've i own a pair of bear dynamic dt880s i've used a lot of the kind of okay. under one thousand dollar headphones uh haven't gotten my hands mm. on a couple of the newer offerings but a lot of uh, the sennheisers bear dynamics i've used a couple of audis in my mm. time and you know well, there, you, there is um there yeah. is a sometimes my vocabulary lets me down but there's like a like a gap or a, mm-hmm. another step in the game oh yeah when you move uh, you know above 350 or 400 somewhere totally. around that i think that's um, like there's the, the price bracket like that it really shifts above that i think yeah 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 i found it, that it's a big change but there's a funny thing. So you've mentioned Biodynamic, and it's an like mm-hmm. incredible, incredible company. Oh, they make great um, stuff. We've, we've reverse engineered a lot of stuff from them, so just for fun. Yeah, I mean, but it makes sense. The, the, <laughs> good, good, company to, good company to compete with. I think that uh, there, there's aspects sure, sure. Of, of the headphones um, that, that I do really like. Um, I, I personally have had, you know, not to uh, be biased, but I, I've had 
better mix translation on the S4X than I did on my DTA80. Um, I, I find them easier to to get things kind of where I want them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Bayer Dynamic DT880 are still really great, especially for checking problem ranges, um, sibilance, mm-hmm. things like that. They really accentuate those things to make it really easy to mm-hmm. figure out what to do in those kind of ranges. Very, very kind of like analytical stuff. Analytical. Uh, you can do with those really, yeah. um, really, really, really well. Um, Absolutely. And, and they're actually really good even when it comes to just pure balancing. So just balance the mix out. Totally. Um, you can do that uh, extremely well with Biodynamics. So, so that there's... I agree, yeah. Not like they're a competitor. They're just a great company uh, to be around with uh, altogether. The history is great as well. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, yeah. There's, there's a lot of different flavors. Say, yeah, sure. That That's actually what I was going to say. Uh, in terms of price brackets, uh, right? So when it gets to 400 and stuff like that, um, whoever is the manufacturer, whatever brand, that is the price point where it's actually possible to to add a little bit better materials when yeah. you can make joints a little bit stronger, um, stuff mm, like that. That interesting. You, you wouldn't think would matter. And many times you, you will actually get those kind of reviews online. You know, is a 150 dollar or their headphone um mm-hmm. you know just as good as a 400 and usually they are extremely close in terms of just sonical performance um but you know take it five years down the road and it's going to be a different story yeah or absolutely. try to try to r- replace something and uh, it's just not going to be possible <laughs> yeah, so you're you're absolutely. basically you you do have this diminishing return going up in terms just in, in terms of um the sonic performance it is better but it's not going to be double uh, as good uh but it is going to be double when it comes down to serviceability uh, longevity durability of the materials the comfort etc so you're basically switching from um a gadget to a proper tool and that is totally. what we are we are entering uh the marketplace with a tool we don't actually offer a gadget while biodynamic on the other side they do have gadgets um so in terms of 150 to 100 euros and then they also have proper tools with the 1990 i think and 1770s the aluminium kind of version of those those are like great headphones extremely well well made Um, very much totally worthy of uh you know uh, i enjoy competing in a way uh on that segment uh with them but uh beyond that uh, i have full respect for them Totally. No, totally understand. It, it, it's clear in the work that you put out, you and the company, that it's very much um, an act of love. Like you're trying to make, like you said, I'm glad you mentioned that distinction, the, the tools aspect, right? Is it's like, mm-hmm. at what point does something we use in our daily lives go from just a commodity to something that really pushes our work forward? And that's a great, that's, that's a great wording. You've used commodity, it, I, exactly yeah. what it is. I mean, headphones are obviously a ubiquitous or help me out with the pronunciation of that word uh, it's there everywhere I mean, you can get those for 20 bucks yeah and i you know i have plenty of gadgets myself you know i, I think that no you know an audio equipment podcast host has to <laughs> have a lot of <laughs> have a lot of gadgets and gizmos but i do think that so he, here's a yeah. funny question for you mm-hmm. how many of those gadgets you bought used once and don't use them anymore oh too many Far too many. I think there's some that have been relegated to more the lifestyle or consumer side of my life. You know, mm. I, ha- I have a lot of mm-hmm. pairs of in-ear monitors that I, I enjoy testing okay. and kind of as, as its own low cost ecosystem comparing 
one to another, mm-hmm. and, you mm-hmm. know, but, but very little do they get used in my professional life. So uh, are you, you know? a personal question? Are you married? I'm have not, a girlfriend? but I do have a girlfriend. You're not. We are going fantastic. Steady. So what would, fantastic, congratulations. Thank you. What would, what would she say um, to your spending habits on, on gear in general? I think she's a bit, um, I think she's a bit too enthusiastic about it. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah it's maybe it's maybe the 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 right or the wrong answer depending on who you ask but she she loves um yeah you know we both have our passions and our hobbies and then as far as mm. what i would consider like proper spending like as a as an audio engineer myself uh-huh. you know i am a professional in the field it is my full-time career um mm. you know there's certain things that are professional investments versus personal investments and she's mm. she's definitely immediately enthusiastic about both but especially about the professional mm-hmm. ones that she knows are you know mm-hmm. good for good for me good for the business good for mm-hmm. you know like this is a reasonable logical upgrade after spending some time and research this mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. the way i want to mm-hmm. go and that you know that was s4x definitely the, the s4x headphones from you guys definitely are more in that camp and that like i've used them on mixes mm-hmm. i've used them for some leisure cool. listening what? you know there's some crossover there but then like a lot of stuff i'll buy just because i'm like oh this is cool this is 50 bucks i want to Try this out, and she'll. So what? What made you? What? What? What part of our offer or the product actually convinced you? Um, you know, to to go for this. Um, a couple things actually. So, I favor translation above all else. I think I have a lot of pieces okay. of technology that are detailed enough to do the job, right? Like I, I, mm. I certainly can do editing on just about any pair of headphones. Um, I can obviously. I can kind of navigate some elements of mix mixing on a lot of pairs of headphones, but where they usually fall short is I think in their tuning and balance, I feel there's something specific with a lot of decent pairs of speakers and above that I think it's, it's hard for a lot of headphones to match. And so when I was, you know, mm-hmm. reading gear space and browsing through what really in- immediately struck me, I think was that the headphones that you guys offer, um, differentiate for they they deviate from the Harman target you know they they go for diffuse field curve which i thought was immediately like oh this is a bit different i'm interested in this Mm. i'm gonna keep reading you know because lots of headphones Mm. come out um but what really struck me is that you guys really seem to care about mixed translation and favor the impact of like what you're hearing alongside having really flat audio so that you can make accurate and articulate decision making in that kind of sonic field which is very difficult to find. I feel like a lot of headphones either favor more consumer oriented targets or they do or the opposite where they're so analytical that it's like I can't really tell how this is going to translate on consumer speakers and it's very hard to find a middle ground where it's flat enough and referential enough to where I'm like okay this is mm-hmm. this is within the realm of like I can make really accurate decisions. I'm not second guessing my ears i'm not trying to accommodate for the technology and then the opposite where it's like well Mm. sometimes there's like levels of bass that are shy or narrow on Mm. on some of those really analytical headphones or certain Mm. aspects are too strident so i'm I'm over focusing on problems rather than caring about how something is translating tonally getting a really like Mm. nice natural timber and balance goes hand in mm. hand with having that detail. And if I don't have both, it's really hard for me to make good decisions about my mixes quickly. I can usually still mm. get something well, there, but it, it takes a lot more time. 
since you're an engineer, you're probably familiar with the so-called masking effect, right? Oh, yeah. So uh, that that happens, um, you know, with any gear. It's a physical proper property of sound waves, basically. So if you have something that is roughly 3 dB um, louder, in a way, mm-hmm. um, so for example, 200 hertz would be 3 dB up in comparison to 100. Um, those you know, the masking effect would start and it seeks to be a difference. It's completely, you know, overtaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can do this kind of tests uh, where you have dual tone. You can just use tone generator, if you will, um, two different tones in it to generate. Um, usually octaves are great for that. Um, and you just play, basically place them, you know, on this like 100, 200, then 400 and 800, etc. And you try and test different headphones and you'll see how the target uh, curve that is in those headphones will affect your perception mm. quite dramatically, actually. Uh, so, for example, the Harman target, it's great for enjoyment. It's it's really great in many ways. Uh, but the boost that it's introducing in the low end, for example, 80 hertz, uh, will extremely impact your decisions that you're making on 160 hertz so we are now entering the low needs mm-hmm. uh, that are going to be very much affected by uh, you know just the the playback device or the monitoring that you're using and that is a no-no for any audio engineer so the low meets can make a mix or break a mix very very easily mm-hmm. particularly uh, when you're trying to translate from uh, from a studio setup to a traditional room or a, you know a living room stuff like that or in a car where those frequencies are actually uh, very much boosted just by the environment itself very much so, so. that that is one of the main reasons uh, when I was you know trying to put out these headphones and figure out how do I want to tune those Um to actually explore and deviate from the very much popular Harman target curve and say just, hey, we're going to go traditional way. It's been around for, you know, 40, 50 years. Let's mm-hmm. go with the diffuse field. Um, so that that's the, the reasoning behind it. And so far, it's been working really well. Um, you know, many engineers like yourself are praising this. The S4X are really a useful tool. Oh, yeah. I, I think that they're... They've been great for me, and I think I'm going to have them for quite some time. I'm actually going to NAM later today, uh, the NAM convention, oh, and you know I have um, some work I need to get done. And ordinarily, it wouldn't be possible. And now I feel mm-hmm. pretty comfortable. I've already de- delivered a few from the ground up mixes on these headphones, and my clients approved them. Clients I've worked with before that know what my mixing sounds like, and mm-hmm. you know, it, it's just been it's been great <laughs> to have these tools, Beautiful. you know, and I'm so glad that you're offering those to the, the world, especially at the price point that you are. I think that's a, a perfect price point for a lot of people for long-term tools that they're going to use. And mm. it, it's, it's a great thing. So let's back up just a little Thanks. bit about, um, mm-hmm. to, to the beginning of all audio. So all audio yep. set out to, to solve this problem, right. Of we need reference grade, headphones with good mix translation we want to we want to use diffuse like the diffuse field target curve as opposed to the Harman target you know we want we want things to be flat reference level how did all yep. audio come to start what was the the driving force behind starting all audio 
Uh, well, <laughs> not many people know this, but um, well, basically, I got married. I got my first uh, twins, and you know, mixing a record for uh, my own band was impossible. Um, you know, while they were sleeping next door, uh, so I had to use headphones, uh, and it was the first time that I was seriously considering or just testing headphones for mixing, and I just couldn't get any translation going on. So going to the car and other setups, it was just a mess again and again. So that kind of sparked the idea uh, that there's something missing. And at first, I was quite convinced that uh, being, you know, a young engineer at the time, blasting things extremely too loud, (laughs) um, made me wonder that there's this tactile experience that you get from speakers, you know, just to air moving uh, your chest uh, and you know clothes and stuff that that are around you including your desk for example so i was thinking hey i'm i'm guessing this component is missing when i'm just using headphones and that's one of the reasons why i cannot tune the low end correctly um of course that was a false uh, conclusion at the time but it did spark um my you know um enthusiasm for engineering so what i got is these uh, um butt kickers as they call them um or tactile transducers uh, you're probably familiar with the uh, sub pack uh, mm-hmm. or the Vujer ones and stuff like that oh yeah so i got one of those um basically just the transducer not the full product mm. and mounted it uh, on a chair <laughs> uh, and, and that was like kind of like oh that's really good you know being a drummer and feeling the kick that's like 90 percent of your mixing right so um very novel i went down down, yeah it was cool at the time uh so i i started a company uh basically a startup without opening the official company at the time it Mm -hmm. was just a startup label that's possible here in slovenia by the way wonderful uh so so i applied for a grant um by the government obviously and and i got it i got 50k for developing uh, you know this tech further uh that made me leave my job and fully do that for a year um as it's turned out nobody really needs um the tactile experience too much um and that the main issue is just you know flat tuning of the headphones Mm -hmm. so that then (laughs) resolved into making headphones instead of tactile uh, pouches i guess you know oh man I, that's I'd the beginning kinda, i'd be kind of a little bit interested in, in the allo audio tactile experience mm. it kind of reminds me of those arcade games like the 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 racing mm. games and driving games. i'm sure you mm-hmm. said you have twins i'm sure your kids maybe if they're old enough <laughs> played kind of Fortnite. those games yeah yeah <laughs> well fantastic yeah that's uh, that's a it's a good problem to set out to solve i think that um that is a big difference between, you know, you, you realize it's like less important than you think it is when you get mm-hmm. to mixing on headphones for a longer period of time, that tactility. But I think that there's still something in that bass region that I think like it takes a really deft tuning on headphones to really dial in, like you were saying, that 80 hertz, mm-hmm. you know, and how that translates. Um, it's a it's psychoacoustical a, thing, right? So very, very it, finicky it go- balance, yeah. And there, there's quite a few articles that you can get in the uh, audio generic society mm-hmm. um, in terms of how we perceive sound uh, and how our oral system is not made just out of ears and eardrum and so on. We do actually feel sound. 
Uh, so, for example, um, you would be familiar with that if a helicopter or something like that yeah. is above your head. Even if they're, even if it's quite far away, you kind of get the sensation. You don't really hear it yet, but it kind of there's there's something around you, and that's like the supersonic frequencies that your body will pick up. Um, just basically, uh, you know, the, the hair that you have uh, on your body will slightly move, and that is enough sensation to feel kind of like totally. You know, five ten hertz um and those are actually present uh, all the way through right through for the frequency range yeah absolutely um, you don't hear it but it's a part of it uh so yeah, based on that obviously absolutely takes mm-hmm. some some finesse yeah <laughs> sub, sub sub frequencies yeah. are, are are kind of their own you know kind of their own exactly hemisphere almost in in processing Exactly. So the moment you put headphones on, right, you're basically eliminating all the other senses out of this. Mm. Um, that's primarily the reason, um, biologically and, you know, psychoacoustically and so on, primarily the reason why it's really good uh, or very different, uh, just, you know, mixing uh, with speakers versus just using headphones. Totally. So. The headphones are, are a tool. You can trust them. You can make a mix. It's not that, like you can't. You can. Yeah. Uh, just but a the immersive different. experience is a little bit different due to this, um, you know, sound waves hitting your body. Totally. Um, that's that's important. And of course, then there's this, uh, you know, the, the crossfeed and the phantom center and stuff like that. Yeah. But I was going to mention I'm, I'm, the stereo imaging. And I think that's just a, a yeah, fundamental difference in, in listening. Yeah, but the funny part is what is actually better, right? So you've been doing something with speakers for 20 years and got used to it. So you're now missing that. Totally. In a way. Yeah, but... But you gain a a distinction between the two. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so does it actually, you know, if, if you would never, ever had a good room and good speakers... And you would be mixing on headphones, even poor, poor ones for, you know, 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you would start mixing on speakers. Would it be the same game or would it be the other way around? And you would say, damn, I just can't tune any, yeah. any stereo image and, in this. And I'm sure like most people, I think a lot of people started out on headphones be, or at least um, even if they did start mixing Many. on speakers, you know, it, it was probably like mm. boombox speakers or or something more consumer grade. Not many people's first experience with speakers is in a nicely True. tuned room, even if they have maybe some mm. nicer, you know, entry level monitors. Tuning a room is its own thing. You also have to figure out what you like. Mm. I do think that that's a huge benefit to mixing on headphones in general is just having the... Mm consistency right you know that when you put these headphones on you know outside of a huge noise problem you know in the same room you're probably going to have a very consistent time that's that's the thing with any reference gear well basically truth be told you can take whatever headphones you have and if you're familiar with those yeah they will be a reference tool going from one studio to the other studio and so on Exactly. Uh, I, question think that, I think that's really true. I also, sorry to interrupt you. I think that, um, yeah, you go. I totally think that like along that, that line of thought, I think that like, you know, 
getting a good reference is just about being familiar and then trusting your equipment to deliver that reference to you, right? Like, of course, familiarity is such a huge part of mixing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I agree completely. So maybe on this note, it's not like that these headphones will make uh, your mixes so much better. You're the engineer, you're going to make them better. But proper tools will help you do that, will show you things that you maybe missed before, or you will just you know, um, do those totally. a little bit easier, a little bit faster, um, sometimes not even knowing it. So like it's an unconscious thing. It just sounds good, and you print it out, you take it to another room or whatever, and, and it still works. And it's you, you're the engineer, you made that possible. Uh, but you had the right tools. Mm. So the moment that the tool is lying to you, for example, any close back headphones like the, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to dare myself to say this. Say uh, so the, uh, the M50X, for <laughs> the M50X, for example, 150 or less uh, dollars, like super mm. cheap, really popular due to pricing, mm. but also due to performance. So at that price, they're quite good. Uh, they do have a resonance, quite strong resonance in low mids. That, that's mm. why they sound like, exciting and good and like polished or out of the box right but that is exactly the problem uh, when you're trying to move uh, or translate your mix between the m50x towards a traditional room um it totally. will collapse nine nine out of ten unless you're so familiar with it that you can actually go yeah, you your know way how through to that. navigate through yeah. the yeah exactly. exactly i think that's where referencing really gets into yeah more objective territory right is you have to be able to trust both your ears and the equipment that's delivering that signal to your ears and i think that yeah you know there's not really enough emphasis on with speakers there's not enough emphasis on room treatment i think for for beginning engineers you know you can buy really nice monitor speakers but if your room is not if your room is didn't we all do that oh yeah didn't we all do that? We all, we, oh, we yeah. all spend money on, on oh, speakers, yeah. but you know, <laughs> when it comes to room, damn. Yeah, buy the thousand dollar mic and use it in a yeah. in a room that's gonna really it's gonna capture all the <laughs> all the ugliness and beauty of the room. And it's the same thing with headphones. I find where, yeah, in yes. general, you know, it's nice to have something that is translating that's like the big word mm. that i i like to throw around and i really like to think about mm. and emphasize when when purchasing equipment that i'm doing mixing on is like the detail mm. you can find that in a lot of things comfort is is huge um allo has kind of that extra mile with it all being kind of home repairable you know not to make it mm. sound like an ad but that is really a great thing that you guys are offering i think that yeah. the i think that the um the the home repairability and the the screwdriver friendly nature of the products is is huge for me personally you know it, it means these are some tools that like oh you know something that breaks down the line these are these are partners of mine in my professional life right and exactly i think that like having the the ability to translate something really just comes down to really good tuning and and being built with good enough quality components that are tuned well enough to do the job, you know, careful selection of drivers, things that respond quick enough to where you're getting accurate dynamics. These things mm-hmm. are just they just take a deft tuning. They take mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. well thought out kind of overall product, you know. Cuz it's easy to we also have um what do they call them grot boxes? I'm not sure if that translates 
Well, but but the idea that we have these ugly speakers that we check our problem areas on, you know, I think mm-hmm. that like mm-hmm. there's different ways to but, get things that translate. Like the old school NS10s from Yamaha are like really good mm-hmm. for doing mixes because you the, really the, won't miss the problem areas. They're going to put them right on display for you, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, there's a paradox to this statement, right? So yeah. if if bad speakers are really so good in showing you stuff, why don't you just, you know, mix solely on bad speakers or solely on speakers yeah. in the laptop right yeah. you don't um you don't yeah. even though they show you show you the translation issue you but miss a lot of material issue, yeah you miss a ton of frequency you, response and and you're honestly focusing too much on problems after a certain point that's like the biggest risk yeah are, are you making a mix for a laptop are, are you making something that's going to work everywhere Right. So the moment you're questioning yourself and your gear in terms of, hey, I need to check that somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's you're already on the wrong foot. Totally. So your gear should be capable of delivering truth to you. And once you make a decision, it's there. Yeah, it's going to sound different. The, the important part is it should not collapse. Totally. That's that's the only important uh, the important part so if you do an analogy in video right mm-hmm. for example in you know just monitors for videos um you know th- there's very few or none uh, videographers that would you know do the car check analogy with video right yeah. sometimes they do it right they would check maybe on their phone a little yeah, bit I can and imagine stuff like, like that. With, with color grading i guess that is kind of a, a little grading, bit of an a- yeah. analog to it yeah yeah so it's it's a similar situation, but audio engineers, you know, the breed that we are, we would go back and forth like <laughs> oh, twenty yeah. times. Uh, Can't be the car test. Have, Never lies. I yeah, I haven't uh, you know met any videographer that would go back and forth more than once. <laughs> right. So the, yeah, I wonder, the tools I how that are there. Things. Yeah, I guess. Um, Exactly. It right. totally, so totally the, makes sense the, too. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> same, same general he, he, idea. Here's the philosophy. trick. Here, here's the trick. Same, but here's the difference. Ex- extremely important. So you as a creator, the engineer, are you actually making the colors and stuff on the screen? Um, you know, tuning those. Uh, do you have any reflections there in the sense of a color, right? You don't, you didn't make it. So it was like Samsung or whoever made it. Mm-hmm. There are professionals and they know what they're doing. So now when it comes to the audio land, there's people like you and me who just buy speakers, put them in a room and think we know how to tune a room. <laughs> so obviously yeah. we end up with a translation issue and obviously we don't know which uh audio system to trust our own setup the expensive speakers the car test uh you know totally. your mom who who's going to tell you all splitting the difference Rather, yeah yeah with videographers when they're using monitors if it's a good monitoring it's it's always fairly similar and even color grading between two or three different monitors it's going to be fairly narrow um you know the tolerances are going to be really small so they don't yeah. have this issue totally makes sense uh, but yeah. we do yeah I think also our visual memory as human beings are are probably stronger than our auditory memory. I think I read somewhere that it's it's much harder mm. to recall um, audio. I mean, I'm sure you know you and I and a lot of other people that audio is is what they primarily do with their time. Maybe have yeah. a little bit easier yeah. of a time, but even I don't know, just rotating your head is is a lot different than you know 
it's, yeah. it's like thinking about like, what if you could only see things out of the corner of your eye? I feel like mm-hmm. audio is a lot like that. It's, it's a lot like of, mm-hmm. we're just shaping the marble. You know, we're trying to take away mm-hmm. and add and take away and add, you know, things mm-hmm. until we mm-hmm. get something that resembles what we want. And I think mm-hmm. both with the equipment that we have is, is maybe going to translate things a little bit like less to intention kind of by nature, you know, the difference between a cell phone and a th- home theater system is, is definitely different than visually something like a cell phone versus like a, a TV screen. I think that there's, Absolutely. like you said, there's more consistency, but I also think just our auditory memory is shorter. And so like we're shaping these real time experiences similar to video, but our recollection of that, I think is, it's a lot more mm-hmm. finicky, you know, and I think that's just us as people, right? Our, our, our ears are tuned, you know, to, to hear tree branches from, you know, being stepped on, you know, however many mm-hmm. feet away and, and things like that, you know, our, our eyes are, are scanning constantly just as our ears are, but I think our ears are a little bit more um, in the moment, as it were, as far as uh, well, fleeting sensory information. Yeah, they're, they're also faster. Yeah. Right? So oh, yeah. whatever information is picked up by, by the ears, they get directly processed by your lizard brain, basically, mm-hmm. instantly. Right. Uh, while the, the visual component of information is just, it's, it's taking a little bit more time. Uh, the, the funny thing is, uh, how very important are like all the, the convergence of both of these is extremely important. Mm-hmm. Right. So to, to have a visual information of where the sound is, for example, and then confirm it as well, you know, auditorily. Um, so, in that sense, uh, if you ever experience like Dolby Atmos or any of those mixing kind of things where you have a specialized audio, uh, if you're only listening to it uh, versus if you all also have a visual confirmation of where the sound should be, oh, how yeah. much more accurate you actually are just because you have a visual confirmation yeah. uh, helps, on that helps and where you're expecting whole, that. Whole picture, yeah. yeah. So that's also just one part. There's another part, which is which is the historical part of your ex- well, your experience with sound. So, for example, if you if you hear or if you would specialize in Dolby or whatever uh, format, uh, a bee flying around or a helicopter stuff like that, um, even though you don't see it immediately, um, or it's not even there, but <laughs> the you representation of it, yeah, <laughs> the, exactly. You would start. You would automatically place it somewhere in the air and above your head, right? Even though maybe the auditorial cues by themselves yeah. are just playing stereo left and right, but your perception and immersiveness kind of with it or playing around with it is it's up there somewhere. Uh, it's around me somewhere. You're not going to look for a bee on the floor, right? Yeah, totally. So that or even that when is it, completely when you're mixing a for you know a client and they want to throw a. Uh, emergency vehicle siren <laughs> mm. into a song it's, you know you might want to be careful with that because people <laughs> people might look around while yeah. they're driving listening to your song you know exactly but so here's the point um that i'm trying to make when you're mixing something in in a in an immersive format you don't necessarily need uh, like dolby stuff going on or specialization going on if you're uh using samples of sounds that historically would be perceived as in some specific place around you, mm-hmm. right? So if you have a squeaking chair, it's going to be 
below you, right? So you can place that basically mono directly, and it's still going to be perceived as below you. Interesting. And this the side uh, never thought about it. Oh, like the that. same. Yeah, it's the same thing as a B. You can have it in stereo, right? It's it's completely fine. And if you just pan it left and right, it's going to fly around you, and you're going to look up and experience it as flying around you, even though it's basically going left to right between your ears. Mm-hmm. So that's the the psychoacoustics or the experience from your life that are influencing how you experience so certain sounds and positions of those uh, sounds. So another level then would be uh, playing with the HRTFs, uh, so not necessarily in a plugin, mm-hmm. uh, but you can take the knowledge and understanding of how those work and apply them manually. So, for example, if something is kind of going away from you, right, mm-hmm. the low end will stick around while the high end will, you know, go away fairly quickly. So you can have mm-hmm. a signal, like you mentioned sirens before, although that that is a Doppler effect there as well, but for example, like siren, um, if it, if you want to move it further away, you just need to trim down the high end. And if you do that, you know, in uh, a few seconds or in fifteen seconds, it's going to be perceived as moving fast or slow. Replicate, so, yeah, uh, replicate the uh, the concept yeah. of movement or or directionality, you know, beyond just the left and right plane. Yeah. So yeah. now move that concept and apply it to guitars. And all of a sudden you can do a lot of mixing and placing stuff around, as particularly in headphones even more so, um, because you're utilizing the HRTF uh, or you're making those manually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have full control and you don't need the Dolby Atmos or whatever formats and you don't have to you know, spend hours tweaking those stuff. Uh, totally. If it's just a small requirement, of course. Now, if you're doing like a blockbuster movie, obviously you're you're going to meet the full capa- capacity of. This, oh yeah, uh, you're going to be you're going to be testing yeah. the the limits yeah. of of you know mm. what what you're kind of trying to get the audience to experience. So I'm curious then with um with the differentiation between the S4X and the S5X for mixing work. Obviously, they're both great for stereo mixing, but do you think that? Yeah. It's it's specifically like a combination of the tuning and the angled drivers that give the S5X an edge when it comes to spatial audio mixing. Because I I've personally only used a few different types of headphones with the uh, angled drivers. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think the Bear Dynamic, the 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 T1s have angled drivers. T1s, yeah. yeah, great great mm-hmm. headphones. Um, but I I'm curious as to do you think it's kind of like a natural way to to give additional uh, maybe maybe it's not the right word, but precision in the in the field of our hearing to give maybe a little bit more precision when it comes to mixing spatial audio. Do you think angle drivers play a big part of that uh, and the tuning and and whatnot? Well, the angle drivers just it's it's not so much about the angle; it's more about the placement of those. So you will see that. Well, I think nine out of ten. I don't know all the headphones on on the planet Earth, but I believe nine out of ten. Uh, when there is an angled um, driver, it's also moved forward a little bit. So, what manufacturers try to achieve is expand the so-called sound stage of the headphones. Um, and to do that, you need to move the source of audio within the enclosure that the headphones create on your ear. Uh, as forward as possible. Uh, and doing that, 
um, the natural HRTFs that every individual will have, of course, different, uh, but they will help put the the the, 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 the image forward a little bit more so it's going to be less in your head so that is important even more so when it comes to immersive mixing because that is relying a lot or basically all the binaural versions of immersive mix mixing are fully relying on hrts artificially made gotcha. hrts good to know so this is very informative so, interesting right so when you have yeah. that uh obviously the virtualizer uh, would have easier way of fooling your brain into believing a sound is at a certain location around you. So that is uh, without a doubt um, important. Now, secondly, as mentioned before, uh, we perceive sounds that are, um, how should I put that? If you would analyze the HRTFs uh, coming you know, something that's coming uh, from the top of your head or above your head to, to your ear, or if it's coming at the front or if it's coming straight left or behind, it will have a different frequency response. That is basically the HRTF, right? So the same source, um, let's make it like, I don't know, like pink noise or something like that. Okay. If it's above you, uh, there will be certain frequencies that will be attenuated by your pinna, by your ear. Mm-hmm. So the moment you have that, you're now artificially recreating that with Dolby objects, right? Mm, okay, that makes sense. So that, that's how it works. That's the basic philosophy behind it. So now if you have a playback device, like, I don't know, whatever headphones that are not respecting that component of audio, Obviously, they're going to fail, or at least they're going to be something like they work great for one dude, but they're completely terrible for someone else. Mm-hmm. While with our design and approach, we are very careful in trying to find the balance that the headphone will actually translate a binaural mix, right, mm-hmm. um, to as many people as possible. That's basically a what, whole, what whole we new did. dimension. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's that was kind of you know, squeezed into the S5X by angle drivers, by moving them forward, by the earpad design, um, and by yeah. the tuning. So the tuning came down or came out of um, using a ear simulator, like a dummy head. Mm-hmm. You've seen those around probably. Yeah. Uh, and we've played that in a Dolby certified room um, to the perfect possible position, right? And then we captured every single speaker in the setup individually. So we got the actual HRTFs for that ear simulator though, which is kind of the representation of all the ears on on the planet. So we took those HRTFs and kind of like normalized them out into having a target curve so that when we move the head from that studio and we take it to our lab, and now we place our headphones instead of the studio environment on that ear simulator. Obviously, the goal is to have exactly the same HRTF or frequency responses as they were recorded in the studio. So that was the baseline. So the moment you create a headphone that will 
have extremely similar frequency response from all directions on that simulator that is basically a reference point between our lab and the official Dolby Studio. Well, basically, you you nailed it, right? Fantastic. So I, I can S5X. only imagine how how wonderful it must have felt after you'd kind of gone through the test and put the headphones on and then kind of referenced what was going on in the room and and kind of felt, you know, tuned it and got it kind of in line and been like, yeah. whoa, this feels like surround. That must have been an amazing moment to have in a headphone. Just just being there and and feeling that tuning come into place sounds pretty yeah. great. <laughs> now, it, How it, exciting. It, it was a, a very exciting project. Uh, I've learned a lot doing that, you know, just totally. playing with this these things. Yeah. It's it's a new new territory for most of us anyway. Yeah. So we learn new stuff every day. Going forward, obviously we need to find a middle ground totally uh, between immersive and stereo. So ideally um, you know, yeah. all the engineers will will not, or yeah, me especially and you, with Dolby. We, we don't, through, yeah, with yeah we, we don't exactly, but we don't want to have two separate referencing systems, right? So I want to have a referencing for stereo and then another referencing for totally. spatial. This and a lot of people right? so, do use the S5X for stereo mixing. Maybe it's just more to their preference, a little bit leaner of a target curve, you know, a little bit like less bass, yeah. right? And a little bit more kind of high end extension, pretty subtle stuff, but yeah. noticeable if you're yeah. going, if you're getting intimately familiar with the headphones and whatnot. Exactly. Just going forward. I think we need to not just we as all of but you know all the manufacturers of headphones. Mm-hmm. We need to come up with a kind of middle ground to cover both of these use cases. So it wouldn't really require uh, an engineer to have two different systems, but just using one. Yeah, um, that totally. would cover both both of these uh, you know formats basically. Yeah, I think that's a I think it's a beautiful goal. Just getting more more targeting towards um targeted towards kind of like general translation and i actually think that as professional audio has developed we've we've just gotten a lot more standardized in a lot of ways you know you can mm-hmm. you can kind of um especially with atmos i think that's done a really good job of standardizing the whole surround sound kind of ideology and collapsible to stereo and it's been a it's been an exciting few years for sure as far as moving spatial audio into the consumer realm Absolutely. The, the thing with consumers is that they enjoy it when they experience it, but they don't even know it. Uh, yeah, so very true. Yeah, that's they'll, they'll, the I remember the first time I ever heard an Atmos mix was a um, mm. uh, by a French band named uh, Limperatrice. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation. Mm. They're kind of um, <laughs> poppier, almost disco-oriented, very French. And I saw on YouTube like Dolby Atmos mix, and I was like, oh what's this? And I had never experienced an Atmos mm. mix and said, put on your headphones. So I did. And I was like, well, this is, this is really interesting how this is kind of mm. emphasizing spatial audio through a stereo field. Mm. But also, you know, if you have mm. like a 5.1 or 7.1 setup and you, you got, something, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so cool how they've kind of oriented and, and tuned it to, mm. to be a, a cross reference between different devices. So here's maybe a final thought, at least sure. my in my experience, it's it was really cool um, to create an Atmos mix for the five one seven one whatever, uh, even in binaural version, uh, just place the left and right as if it's a traditional room, mm-hmm. right? So just two signals, and then use the Atmos capabilities um, 
to emulate the room acoustics. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that would be. Yeah, see where I'm going? Yeah, so, okay, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm all seeing of a what sudden, you're cooking up. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so you're sitting in front of uh, your favorite pair of speakers in a really cool room, but that room is emulated by the atmosphere capabilities. Oh, beautiful. Uh, which is, which is... Uh, pretty good and um there's actually quite a few visualizers or specializers out there that can do that maybe even better so one of those would be dear vr um oh, they yeah. have that they really great, really good great then, work, yeah. yeah yeah uh i have the thx um they also released their own although we don't really recall the name thx anymore but they were really important. You'll never uh, forget in the, the sound. eighties and nineties. You'll, <laughs> You'll never, never forget, forget the, the THX sound once you've heard it. Yeah, yeah. I implore all, I, I implore a, so, all younger oh. audio engineers listening to this to just look up <laughs> the THX sound. It's it's a it's a treat. It's a delight. It, yeah, it's it's a testing sound actually, right? So yeah, um, hearing it on big speakers is a is a <laughs> yeah. It's fun. It's, it, <laughs> Uh, I forgot all the technical details about it, but it yeah. was constructed artificially with a with a purpose of understanding uh, all the um, yeah. um, you know the resonances of the room, reflections and yeah. positioning of and speakers it, and their performance and so on. It's still so it's a basically great test for that. Even if in it home sounds studios. really good anywhere, if it sounds even on the headphones that you're wearing right now, totally. so if it sounds really well balanced throughout the spectrum and nothing kind of collapses there's nothing missing then you have a fairly good balanced playback device no matter where we are totally well i guess that's that's the that's cool (laughs) fantastic so i guess for the closing kind of maybe a shorthand kind of answer just to kind of close this out um what's next for all Mm -hmm. of audio are you are you at liberty to share anything i know you just updated your main product line so you know, new new versions of the of the main headphones are out in the wild, being used and cherished by audio engineers. But is there anything else you've kind of had your eye on? Yeah, you're looking to do. Well, in short, um, I have no idea what is in store for us in, in the next year or two. <laughs> but but uh, I do know where our efforts are, and those are uh, in obviously continuing to support um, what we've been doing. So flat sound is extremely important to us. We will go down this path uh, in for sure. So we are not going to make any noise canceling headphones. We are not going to introduce any Bluetooth capabilities. We are not going to do music to my ears. And yeah, any of those stuff. So we, we are leaving that to other bigger companies that can actually afford those kind of budgets. Uh, so we're sticking to the, to the, well, philosophy um, and the mission that we have over here, that's for sure. Um, what I can say is that uh, our aim is to make our product line as um, easy to understand as possible. So we do still get quite a lot of questions. You yeah. know, what's the difference between the headphones? What should I buy? I'm doing that. I'm doing this. Totally. Um, and, and we do want to get, well, obviously it's going to benefit us, but also <laughs> any any buyer, consumer, and so on, uh, to really understand, all right, so this headphone is what I need. Um, and uh, yeah. that's that's one of the, the the main focuses we have in terms of research and development of technology and so on. So we do want to avoid going forward, um, having this like separation yeah. between stereo and, and spatial. Um, 
you know, because if you go down this road, further down this road, then it would mean you would need like something special for the, the, the surround sound and different for the object based sound and different for the stereo sound. And then when it comes to mono, which is still a lot in use yeah, in TV stations and oh, so yeah. on. So we need another pair, uh, you know, uh, different, <laughs> yeah, yeah, different yeah. tuning for mono, different tuning for stereo, different for special. It, totally. it's not good it doesn't yeah, make you don't, uh, you don't want to go down the, the full-on rabbit hole of a different pair of headphones yeah. for every particular media you just want something that translates yeah. across the board you know people can exactly depend on like what i'm yeah. hearing is what i'm going to be getting in a majority of the listening environments you know exactly wonderful exactly so with with the new technology from dolby and sony and so on uh we are learning the ropes there um all of us basically so fantastic. Uh, but I think we, we are we are getting closer and closer to the to the middle ground of what is actually feasible uh, and and that would actually make sense uh, on a marketplace. Yeah, that's so fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining me here today and sure. and sharing your thoughts on where audio is, what you create, you you know your story. I greatly appreciate your time. Um, Rock, it's been great to have you. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Audio Equipment Podcast. See you next time.